But anyway, I'm John, he's Jack, and uh, let's get into it, because this is going to be a, a beefy show, I think. Um, we'll try to keep it under two hours. Um, I'm John, he's Jack, this is Set the Table, uh, episode 15, and uh, we're going to do a deep dive on 7th C. Um, How's it going, eh? Uh, it's good, it's good. It's, uh, well, it's mostly good. Um, I've had some it's folks, mostly good. I've had some folks canceling day of session saying that they've made plans, so um, we didn't play our main game last week uh, or this week. Um, we took a miss last week, and we played the alt game this week, the one that uh, Thornton is running, who came on as a guest in episode 10. Yes, um, yeah. My my paladin, Osric, who I talked about in episode nine, 8 or 9 when we did alignment, uh, he got killed kind of on purpose, but... Um, it took Thornton quite a bit to bring him down, and I was able to bring in Jethis, who was inspired by a comment you made on the show. Actually, um, you had you you had said if you want to mess with John, you put snakes in your adventure, and so now I'm playing a, a pure blood Yuan T sorcerer. So take that. So how is that going for you? Is that character easy hard to play? Um, and what alignment did you pick? I'm curious. About uh, so Jethis is neutral evil. He, uh, I talked with Thornton a little bit cause we hung out, um, the other day and I was talking about this character. Uh, so his intro was, uh, him coming through a portal followed by some, a guard who was trying to kill him. And so he is the rightful noble... Serpent Lord of uh, wherever he's from. I wrote it down, but I don't have it in front of me. Um, and uh, he is on the younger, less experienced side and doesn't have a lot of power or friends yet. So his parents were deposed when their rule came to an end. Instead of him, uh, instead of him coming to power, he he got one of somebody else did, and he got. Uh, pushed out um, and is now being treated as an outcast and, a, and a, a traitor and so I was fleeing the coronation ceremony after the new king announced that I should be killed and was the portal appeared in front of me and I ran through it and found myself in the dungeon um, as for the ease of the character to play uh, I only got to play him for maybe the last like 20 25 minutes of a 3 hour session so um I haven't had a lot of of business to do with him yet um but he is he is neutral evil uh he does hiss his s's and behaves like a snake which is a little uncomfortable for me um but it's fun I I think that it is a good idea um it's like fantasy exposure, which is which is decent. Nice. That sounds great. Um, he's also super fun because I don't usually play hard casters like wizard, sorcerer, or warlock are like the three that I would be most unlikely to play. So um, I was throwing some chaos bolts around, and it was it was a lot of fun. So that's fabulous. Did you do you are you still playing Mondays? I so I am taking a break on Mondays because of some uh, travel things that I have to do for my day job. So yeah, I'm 
I'm I'm uh, on a little bit of a hiatus on on Monday. I didn't check in with the group uh, just because I felt a little guilty that I had to cancel two weeks in a row. Um, but uh, I, I'm sure that my party is taking care of Delrea. Delrea Gem Counter, of course, is kind of the de facto leader for the party. Um, and uh, hopefully she's still doing well. She had some singing engagements, you know, traditional bard type stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, my hope is that she's she's well and, and in a, in not next this Monday, but coming Monday, but the Monday after, second Monday of July, I'll be able to reconnect and and uh, see where she is and what she's up to and and what uh, what has transpired within the group. Cool. We did play Seventh C, of course. We've played a, a bunch of Seventh C, haven't we? Yeah, I don't know. We're on session. Is it four or five? We're on session four. We had four. If, okay. if you start counting from zero, we're on session four. Yep, you do. You hear that, everyone? You start counting from session zero, unless you don't have a session zero, but you you probably should. Well, it depends on the system, right? No, every system should have a session zero. Really? Huh. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I would call uh, the the funnel and DCC a session zero. Um. Okay. Valid. Valid. I think you have a portion of of whatever system. So sometimes you have a dedicated full session zero, and sometimes you have a ten minute session zero at the beginning of the night. Um, just to establish, you know, your hard boundaries and the limits at the table, and, and yeah, to no, no, talk yep. about rules I, and. I would agree with that. Yeah, I think I use uh, session zero just to describe what you talk about during it. So yeah. yes, every session starts at you know time zero. Right. Um, so yeah, so we're on session four. Um, my uh, my brother Matt got to join us. Um, and we sailed from Puerto del Sur to Lorencia to find that Captain Toblerone was engaged to this the, the awful <laughs> woman Donatilla. And I honestly, that's the only way that I'm going to be able to remember his name now. So, well, that's that's because that's a nickname his crew gives him because Tofani. he's such a softy, right? Tofani is his real name. But yeah, but it always uh, takes me a minute. So Tarone, actually, it's not even Toblerone; it's Tarone, which is an Italian traditional Italian wedding candy. Oh, uh, nice. So, so during the wedding, we're going to see lots of candy puns uh, and references. If you guys let the wedding happen, I'm yeah, I was going to sure, say if we get to a wedding, I was sure you were going to bust up this engagement and ruin Donatilla's scheme uh, once and for all, but you did not. No, uh, we we've got a little bit more tact and and honor than that. You had plenty of raises to tactfully cause the thing to go wrong. And, but I we'll mean, talk about that more yeah, we when we get did. into the deep dive, right? Yeah. Um we did cause a little bit of trouble. I, I guess it was less than we thought, but um I I don't know. And then we went to speak to the maestro with Rose in private. We haven't talked a lot a, ho- a whole lot about the story for this. I don't know if you want to take the, the intro story that we got and and put that up somewhere. Um, you're waiting to publish I, it, so you probably want to keep it. I, I'm gonna keep I'm gonna hold I'm gonna keep that close hold for now, but um, if I don't get positive 
confirmation from the Explorers League when I go to publish this, then it'll be available at Red Hoodie Games. Absolutely. Nice. Um, so yeah, let's uh, let's go ahead. We're gonna there's a whole episode about Seventh C. We try to keep it system agnostic, but this is it. Um, no, I we've or, we've done we every so often though, right? We do a deep dive because we keep talking about all of these systems, like oh, Five E does this, and Pathfinder does this, and Alien does this, and Seventh C does this. Um, so it's nice to kind of take a break from kind of generic, like hey, improv and NPCs and character death. And just dive deep into a system so that the listeners, if you're listening and you're like, yeah, 5e, I like it, but it's mathy and and I feel like an accountant. I'm, I'm looking for something <laughs> different. Um, 7th C is your jam, my friend. You know, I don't know that people do that as much as we might think. To run an adventure in 5e in Renaissance Italy and asked for tips or rules or suggestions about how to integrate dueling into, you know, both the story and how to handle it mechanically so it's not super boring to watch two people 1v1 in D&D. And my, I commented and said, have you considered running with 7th C? Because they have maps for all of that and with a fantasy theme to it and... Uh, rules for ships and dueling, and it would be excellent. And he was like, "No, I'm gonna. St I'm really trying to stick with 5e." And I, I didn't comment any further, but I wondered why not 7c. So it's my hope by the end of the episode that we have covered why 7c. Why 7c? Sure. Yeah. And and to be fair, right? It's not going to be everyone's cup of tea. Well, right? no, but you got to give it a chance. No, but but if and and I can I can see where, uh, and we talked about the the player types, but I can see where a tactician would be really frustrated in Seventh C. Yes, that's actually I. It's one of my comments later on. Oh, okay. Um, Very well. Yeah. Uh. So we'll we'll. Let's let's break down what 7C is. Um, it is a role-playing game system by Chaosium that is sure. So so I can I can kind of run through the history here. Um, yeah, please. So so 7th C was originally published by AEG uh, back at the turn of the millennia, so 1999-2000. What? Uh, by this first edition. First edition oh, okay. uh, came out in 2000. It was written by John Wick, uh, not the movie shoot 'em up guy, you killed my dog, blah, blah, blah. But there's actually a very famous game designer named John Wick. He's a fabulous guy. You'll, you'll see him at Origins or Gen Con if you go to the cons. He's got an awesome beard. He's super friendly. He's wicked approachable. Like you walk up to him and you're like, you're John Wick. And he goes, yes, I am. How can I help you? And I was like, oh my God, this guy's amazing. <laughs> so so if you if you ever get a chance to meet Mr. Wick, he is awesome um, to, just to chat with. So he, for Alderac AEG, that's the Alderac Entertainment Group. You probably know them better for some of their board games. Mm -hmm. um, Istanbul. I think they did. I want to say they did Smash Up, but I could be wrong. Um, yeah, I, Dark I Seas. Right I see Dark Seas on the shelf has an AEG logo, but people think you say AEG, and people think the ridiculously large bags at game conventions. And yep. <laughs> that's what I think of. But but 
back in the late 90s, early 2000s, AEG also published role-play games. So first edition, there's a tremendous amount of material on DriveThruRPG for first edition 7th C. What are what are we playing? We are playing second edition uh, 7th C. And second edition 7th, so 7th C came and went, right? Um, and then John and his team put together uh, a 7th C second edition Kickstarter. Uh, and that hit Kickstarter, and I'm trying to I'm trying to look through my notes here to see if I can uh, can find the Kickstarter information. I might have to go to a different website, uh, but basically, I mean, that's all right. It, it's this, so it is the second. It's the second edition of Seventh C. They tightened up some of the rules, uh, and they put it into a new format. Right, the multi. So the. In, in 2000, those books were coming out black and white with uh, black and white pen illustrations. The second edition 7th C art is to die for. It's beautiful. Every book is beautiful. It's, it's fabulous. Um, and it was also a very successful Kickstarter. They made a tremendous amount of money. Uh, at the time, the second edition 7th C uh, Kickstarter was one of the highest funded uh, role play game uh, kickstarters for its day and I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna get the date wrong if I don't look it up really quickly mm-hmm. yeah 1.3 million dollars um, yeah 1.3 million dollars and when did it so uh, and it you I, I went in, I got the core rule book in, in print. I got everything else in PDF because, of course, uh, I read the description of a 7th C, uh, and I said, well, this game, you know, it's, it's we, we should talk about theme, right? We, we've started even with history, and we haven't even really said, what is 7th C? Yeah, yeah. What's the genre? So, I, I would call it historical fantasy. I think it is historical fantasy. Or, I think or you're, histor- you're, maybe historical fiction. No, because there's definitely fantasy elements. I, I, I almost want to say that it is historical, uh, cinematic historical fantasy. Because in, in our game that we're playing, I really have kind of tamped down the, the elder race. So there are s- these artifacts and runes that you can investigate uh, that have technology basically it's it's technology that's well beyond the the ken uh of of mankind on on thea but it is it is still it looks like magical devices but this is basically technology you know transporters and phasers and and other weird contraptions oh all right then Uh, yes yeah low historical fantasy low historical fantasy there's there's no fireballs so there, there is magic, um, but it, it it takes kind of a backseat to the swashbuckling, sailing, pirating. Um, yeah, I mean, modality. there's there's about as much magic in it as parts of the Caribbean, and yeah, like, there's like the putting a black spot on. Um, so, was, so if you wanted like comparisons to other um, media, Pirates of the Caribbean is a fabulous comparison. Um, Princess Bride is another is another like if you like the Princess Bride, that's kind of the the, the style, the swashbuckling and that kind of stuff. 
We keep talking uh, about that because it's my favorite movie, and that was how Jack got me into 7C. So, yeah. Uh, the writings of Alexander Dumas, The Man mm. in the Iron Mask, um, The Three, Three Musketeers, Musketeers uh, The Scarlet Pimpernel. I'm trying to think of other. Um, there's more piratey stuff. So, I, uh, I really like uh, Brian Jox's series with The Flying Dutchman. Yeah. That's a good yeah. one. Um, what did you say the other night that was really good? Um, you said it's Princess Bride meets uh, Assassin's Creed. <laughs> yes. Yep. <laughs> and and that's that's also a really apt uh, explanation of the genre. Um, the the world. So we've we've kind of covered the history, right? There's two editions: first edition, second edition. We're going to talk about second edition. Um, after the very <sighs> successful Kickstarter. Uh, the Seventh Sea uh, universe ran into some troubles. I'm I'm not really sure uh, about the. It's more. I think it's more business uh, and author and artist troubles. Again, it wasn't very public. I, I didn't really follow it publicly. I'm not. I'm not. Um, I like to follow game designers when they're designing games and stuff, uh, and I like to support people when they're having trouble. But I, I don't like to like rumor monger and gossip and that kind of stuff. So right. uh, something happened at John Wick Enterprises and John transferred the licenses to Chaosium. And Chaosium is best known for Call of Cthulhu and RuneQuest. So uh, Seventh Sea lives on as a, chaos, a line of underneath the Chaosium brand. Uh, the quality of the books haven't changed. The the game itself is still as awesome as ever. As you cannot tell uh, by now, uh, I'm a fan. I think as far as uh, I'll I'll just lay that out there. Uh, as far as role play games go, and I've played many many games. Seventh C Second Edition is in my top three. It's probably wow. number one. Wow. Yeah. Absolutely. It would be wicked cool to play a an Assassin's Creed two style game in sevens because you could totally do with hide and weapons and athletics and oh it'd be good. It would be good. It would um, be good. So the the primary die mechanic for seven C is a D ten. It is. Um, I don't know it's, if you've got a name a, for it. So it is a uh, you build a dice pool. So it's a d10 dice pool with a roll and keep mechanic. That's the the technical term, right? Right. right. So your character sheet has your standard. You know, you have skills just like in five e your Pathfinder, right? Aim, uh, weaponry, hide, empathy, perform. You know, your standard set of heroic action type things and then of course you have your standard set of attributes uh brawn finesse resolve resolve wits wits. yes and i know those those. (laughs) i've got those those are those are allegories to strength dexterity constitution wits is a an amalgam of um wisdom and intelligence and then panache is your charisma so what you do, you put in pips, kind of like Vampire the Masquerade or Werewolf, right? You color in pips on the character sheet. Like and you'll proficiency have... pips in 5e. Sure. 
And and so you will, when you take a risk, doing something in 7C that requires dice is called a risk. Uh, when you take a risk, you'll build a dice pool. So I'm going to sneak into town and try to locate uh, someone who will sell me food to my pirate. You know, we, we, our ship's been out sailing around pirating. The town's really pissed at us uh, for good reason because we've been pirating. Um, and we want to sneak into town and buy some food. It's like, okay, cool. Um, how about some finesse? Because that's dexterity, right? Jump. I'm gonna. I'm gonna Assassin's Creed this baby, right? Parkour. I'm gonna jump from rooftop to railing to rooftop, uh, and uh, then I'm gonna look for uh, someone who can help me. So that's finesse and notice. You 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 take all the dice. You, you for every pip and finesse and every pip you've got colored in notice. You put together your dice pool and you roll it. You use the dice to make tens, right? So if you get a seven and a three, that's a ten. If you roll a ten, that's a ten. It doesn't uh, have to be a seven, and it doesn't else it doesn't have to be exactly ten either, right? If you roll three d ten and your total is twenty six, you've got two. Right, but um, if your total, if it's you have to use whole dice. Yes. Right. So so you can't say, well, I've got an eight, uh, and I've got an eight, an eight, and a four. I've got two raises. It's like, no, sorry, my friend. You've got a 12, which is one raise, and an eight, which is not a raise. Oh, we haven't been doing that. We, I've, I've kind of been doing that. I've been watching the... I haven't been oh. doing it carefully, but I've been watching your rolls and making sure that people aren't cheating. I totally have not been. We've just been rolling in the roll 20 die roller it, and looking at the total. Yep, and and that's cool. I you've been looking at the total. I've been looking at the dice value. Nice, well done. Yep. I just it's it's one of those things that you know it's it. I'm I don't want to pester players with that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and and if we had to have that discussion, it's like no, I have I have three raises. It's like no, I'm afraid you only have two because you've got an eight, an eight, a four, and a ten. So you've got two. Uh, so yeah, no, I've I've kind of, I've been kind of keeping an eye on that, but it's again I don't want to slow the game down, and and I think so that's kind of that's the core mechanic, right? Roll and keep. It's a roll and keep mechanic. Uh, you build a dice pool based on your stats, and, and then you roll to make risks. Okay, um, what else is different? What so what struck you as the most different between Seventh C and and Five E? Um, there is, at least from a player perspective, there is significantly less crunch, um, which we say here to indicate, you know, numbers, um, and, and part of that means that there is less certainty in your actions. Uh, so, so this is sort of my one mixed feeling about it, because other stuff I love and other stuff I don't like, but this is the one that's like very on the fence, um, is that rolls aren't static. So in 5e you've got, you know, an attack of 16 will hit, and uh, you roll 1d8 plus 2 slashing damage. In 7C, it's, well, I want to stab this guy and knock him out, but not kill him, right? I want to knock him unconscious, just leave him wounded on the floor. 
I don't. I I can guess that that's just that sounds like one raise. Maybe it's so, not a raise. So if it's if it's a brute and 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 yeah. So if it's a brute in a brute squad, that's one raise. Right. So, right. And, but and I didn't know that ahead of time, so uh, it makes it harder for me to plan out. Gotcha. What to do necessarily? So um, so in the core rulebook. So so what John is talking about is how the game is actually played. So. In seventh C, the um, the the way you play the game is a is a little bit more like Fiasco, uh, or I think you 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 talked about one with the candles, right? Um, ten candles. Ten candles, right? It is more of a collaborative storytelling game as opposed to a Pathfinder, Starfinder, Five E, where Here's our adventure path. We're supposed to talk to this guy. We got to convince him to do this thing, right? And and it is like, like that. It's just how you go about it is is different. Is different, right? So there there is a story with a plot in Seventh C. It's it's a shared storytelling mechanic where if you're taking a risk, like John was saying, it's it's not okay. You need to convince this guy. Um, to sell you, you know, you're, you're, it, 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 it is right. If I want to knock the guy out of the fight and stab him, I still have to roll dice to find out if I succeed or not. The sure. only difference is that in five E you, you have a number and it's like, Oh, okay. So if a 14 doesn't hit, but a 15 does, and right. I know how much damage I deal and that's your, your core gameplay loop. Your core right. gameplay loop in 7C is is sort of narrating a scene, like I would have described it before as like a scene from a movie, and right. then hoping that you have enough raises for that to be okay. And and we and we we can 7C you can play it where this is I want to do this right and and John Wick if you watch some of the videos of John Wick GMing. Um, 7C that's that's one of the things he tells his players all the time don't don't tell me can I don't ask me if you can do something tell me how you want to do something so um, you could say I want to do this I, I want to I'm going to fight these bandits and I want to leave one conscious but disarmed so I can interrogate him. and it's like okay cool how what's your approach we haven't we haven't defined the word approach yet but but as a GM, I ask the players, what's your approach? And you look at your character sheet and you look at your skills and you think about the scene, right, from very cinematic, like a movie, right? I've got my rapier out and there's these three bandits and, right, I'm going to – I'm going to disarm one with 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 some fancy sword play. It's like, okay, so that's weaponry and finesse. And – by disarming that one, that's going to scare the other two off. They're going to run away uh, because they have they they realize that I I'll just cut them to ribbons if they fight me. And this guy is going to be, hey, that's my sword, and he's going to grab his hand, you know, like the the people do in the movies, and rub it and go, hey, you didn't have to do that. It's like, okay, cool. Your approach is finesse and and weaponry. Let's say. To make this go off, right, and this is where you negotiate with the GM, right? To make this go off, that's four raises, right? These these are pretty 
professional seasoned bandits. It's going to take a lot of fancy swordplay to to scare them off. Maybe they're just bums, and one raise would scare them because they're already drunk and they're really not sure what's going on, and nobody wants to get run through with a sword. Right. So, so that's kind of you have to set the scene as the GM. You set the scene, and 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 that's one of the things I found very challenging when I started playing the 7C was always right you guys know from the module episode I love modules right here's the room description here's the map this is the monster that's there here's the secret door behind that secret door is this treasure chest blah 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 and in 7C it's like no you, you set a scene almost like a movie and then the players are in the scene and they have to determine how to react. So as a, as a GM, that was, I think that was the biggest hurdle for me to get over. And then once I kind of realized I'm just, I'm going to set the scene, describe what's going on. Um, if the party flounders a little bit, I, I usually give kind of possible outcomes that guides them along the plot. Kind of like what we did last night mm-hmm. uh, with, with the party. Uh, and and then we we move on, but that's yeah. Uh, that was, that was the most different part was going from the I know what I am doing with what I have, and to 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 having it be sort of a not not a negotiation, but like I would like to do this. Yeah, um, no, and, and and waiting to find out if you can. And and it totally is a negotiation um, at, at some point because. I as the GM, I have a story, right? That I'm that I'm trying to to guide you guys through, like a movie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and there's going to be things that you do that advance the plot, and then there are going to be things that you do that they're cool and and they're good. And I'm not I'm not saying you shouldn't do this in your Seven C games, um, but they they advance an individual story plot. They focus on an NPC. They do something a little bit. Um, you know, it's it's and and you see that in movies all the time, right? There's there's the oh yeah, hey, that character's kind of cool. Um, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean, there are those two guards in the <laughs> first movie, right? You know, this 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 dock is off limits to civilian. Oh hey, thanks, mate, for telling me. If I see more, I'll if I see an I shall inform them, right? And and you know, they come on, they come off. We 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 don't see them again until the second movie. Uh, I think we see them again, and then by the third movie, they're pirates, right? They've they've given up being in part of the Royal Navy, and now they're on the pirate side. Um, you know, it, it's fun; it adds a little flavor to the movie, uh, but you don't focus on those guys. And and sometimes in Seventh Sea, uh, your party did did that. I think in session three, uh, you focused on kind of one of those bit players. Um, it was fun; we had a good time. Uh, you, you got a a nice sail up to. Mandavi for it, right? So yeah, um, no, I mean it was that was it was good. So what haven't we covered? So the the th- we covered the theme. What's um yeah? What's the what, what's the canon? Are we playing in a canonical world? So or is this so a, the, a homebrew world? We are playing in a canonical world. So the the world of Seven C happens in a continent called Thea, which is. Uh, roughly analogous to Europe of the 16th and 17th century. So uh, Vodachi is a country, uh, it's like Italy. Uh, There's a country called Castile that's like Spain, 
there's a country called Montaigne. They have musketeers, so they're France. Uh, and then Avalon is run by uh, the Queen, which is England. Uh, the Highland Marshes are Scotland. Beston Meyer are the Scandinavian countries, right? They don't split them out. It's just one big Scandinavian country. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Germany is Essen. Ursar is Russia. Uh, the Samaritan. Uh, there's there's kind of a um, Hungary, Austria, Poland uh, group that's that's a little bit more democrac- democratized. They've they've got kind of a republic, democracy, republic thing going on. Um, the the Crescent Empire is uh, kind of the Middle East. There's the New World, which is uh, South South America. The Colonies, that's the book I'm looking forward to next. Um, that is the eastern seaboard of the uh, United, what would become the United States, but uh, that's more of the Caribbean and, and the colonies. Uh, but so there's this, this really expansive world. There's also an Asian source book. That one I don't have. That's Cathay, and that's Japan, Korea, Vietnam, China, um, and it allows you to kind of play in a more feudal asian style with ninjas and 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 samurai um so so that's kind of in and the the books again the the seventh c library is very extensive uh john and his team have done a fabulous job of building an immersive world i think the only other uh, product or, or world that I have seen uh, that is probably better than 7th C would be Greg Stafford's Glorantha. Um, the, the Glorantha omnibus from, K, again, from Chaosium, right? That's a, I think it's it weighs in at almost 17 pounds. Sheesh. Uh, That's a textbook. It's, it, it's two, actually. It's two textbooks that talk about everything Glorantha. Um, with 7th C, there is uh, t- a two-volume set for the nations of Thea, the, the primary nations, Vidachi, Ursing, Ursing, Vestemeyer, yada, yada. I just went through them all. Um, mm-hmm. There is an entire splat book on the pirate nations, so Brotherhood of the Coast and all the pirate uh, people that you can encounter. There's a book on the Crescent Empire, so all of the countries that that represent kind of the Middle East. There's a book on the New World, so Mayans, Aztecs, Incas, uh, and like I said, the book on the colonies, the Caribbean, and and kind of uh, the Eastern Seaboard. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to to getting my hands on that. But these these and these are not these are not uh, 64 page modules. We're talking about two and three hundred page hardcover, um, full color. Uh, works of art they're just they're just fabulous so what's the appeal why do you like why do you like 7c so much 7c gives me everything i love about role playing so making up a character building a story for that character we didn't we haven't talked about character creation we'll we'll get to that um but it's it's all the great parts of role playing for for me the method actor uh and none of the accounting and none of the roadblocks. We talked in a previous episode about fudging roles. 
you don't need to fudge roles in seventh C. Um, because if, every risk is a fudge. E- ev- well, every risk is advancing the story, right? There isn't like the oh on the oh here I am, you know, you're in room two C, and to get to room two D, you've got to discover the secret door. Roll investigation. Oh look, I rolled a seven. Well, sucks to be you. You don't find the door. Well. Right, but I could roll yeah. one raise and not find the door. It, yeah, but if you rolled one raise, you may not find the door, but you may find something that indicates there is a door in the room. All right. Right? Right. You, I mean, you, you could do that with both. Well, I, I don't know. In 5e, if I, if I roll under the DC for the per- perception roll... I, I don't perceive the door. Like, it's binary. At least for me, it feels binary. Either I find the door or I don't find the door. In right. 7C, if you need three raises to find this very well-hidden door, you get one raise. It's like, well, you know, the tapestry on the wall has a really weird wear pattern. It looks like people brush by the tapestry and it's way over there, away from the walkway. Hmm. All right. Right? So so then you're like, oh, okay, well, I don't know that there's a door here, but I know that people are moving in and out of here, but I don't know why. So then as a player, you can say, well, okay, fine. Now I'm going to, I'm going to, let's do another risk. I'm going to hide behind the tapestry and see what happens. Or I'm going to use my attempt and try to schmooze information out of the serving staff to see hey why is this one tapestry always like why is that that's that's the only one that's worn on the corner like that funny do do you see what i'm saying yes so so that's why i there's no encumbrance there's no there's no inventory Although uh, we've created them because there are <laughs> things to keep track of there there are yeah but but it's not it's Every not, item is a key item. It's not like you're keeping track of rations and bolts. Right. And... If, if, if you find something that the GM takes time to say, hey, you found an emerald ring. We found an emerald, a silver banded emerald ring last night. Mm-hmm. It, that, that one, that's important. All right. Right. And, and, and maybe it's not important. Maybe it's a MacGuffin, but, um, it's it's the thing that you write down but like your weapons your clothes your shoes no you know i i'm not and, and i've played in D games more advanced dungeons and dragons than than future versions where you know i mean we we were measuring encumbrance down to the pound right and yeah. and well you've got two swords how are you carrying those well okay i'm gonna have one strapped to my belt and the other one i'm gonna put uh, strapped to my donkey because I have to have a donkey to carry everything because right a hundred gold weighs twenty pounds and if I have a hundred gold in my pockets right I'm at half movement speed hooray and and it's and I'm not saying that that's not fun sometimes to to play the tactical you know how much can can you carry let's let's give the party interesting choices right you're fleeing how much gold are you gonna carry or I'm going to throw away my food and carry more gold because, you know, I'm just running to the ship and there's food on the ship kind of thing. 
Um, but with Seven C, there's none of that. And and I know that was tripping you guys up. Uh, it tripped Matt up last night because he's like, "Well, what's my weapon?" It's like, "Well, whatever. Like, you have a sword. You 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 have th- three right. dots in weaponry. You you have a sword. Well, I have two dots in aim. Great. You have a pistol. Well, how much does that cost? Who cares? Like, <laughs> yeah, that stuff's just not not. It yeah, it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And 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 when you look at movies, right? Like The Princess Bride. When you look at The Princess Bride. Wesley's got his sword, right? Mm-hmm. And and um, and and Indigo Montoya has his father's sword, right? And that that's that's a perfect illustration, right? Indigo Montoya actually has the advantage signature item. He is carrying around his father's sword. That's an important thing that's probably marked down on his character sheet. Sure. Wesley has a sword and and we don't care where he got his sword nobody cares where Wesley got his sword or what it is or it's just it's a sword right mm-hmm. when when after the wedding buttercup finds a dagger in her room she's like I'm gonna kill myself because I'm married and this sucks I'm gonna find a dagger and um, I think we were having this conversation it's like you're in a tavern you're in a tavern like there there are knives and forks and if you want to throw a knife at somebody there's probably darts right there's probably a dartboard somewhere pick up a dart and huck it like yeah there there we don't have to have this kind of well Min- go to the player's minutia. handbook right the minutia and and i think that's one of the things i love about 7c is that the minutia melts away and you get to focus on the story uh, and and the scening and the way that it's framed, you can move quickly, right, from story to story, from important point to important point. And and that's I saw that you, everybody's seen this meme, right? Uh, Dungeons and Dragons is the only game where a, th- a three week walk takes five minutes and a five minute fight takes three weeks worth of sessions. Right. Uh, right. And and we don't do that in in Seven C, right? We set the scene. You your character decides their approach, what they're gonna do in how they're going to approach what's happening before them. They roll their raises and then they spend their raises. Uh, same thing with combat, right? Combat it works the exact same way, except um, for duels, which we haven't gotten to do. You, I, I was I was trying to set you up for a duel last night, and you just wouldn't take the bait. No, it's um, all right. It's okay. I'm, I'm, it's I'm too coming. polite. I I'm sure that duel is coming, uh, one way or another. We'll get there. Mm-hmm. Um, but co- with with combat, not dueling. Dueling is special between two because again, that's a when you think about a cinematic approach, right? And, and I'm I'm going to keep using Princess Bride. Um, um, examples because the book uses them. Um, think about Indigo Montoya. He's in the castle. He's got Count Ruthen, right? And Count Ruthen's got what? Four or five nameless guards. Uh, and he's like, uh, you know, kill the big, you know, kill the Spaniard, leave the big one for questioning. And Indigo Montoya. Oh, whatever. Yeah, I got that quote backwards. But then what does Indigo Montoya do? He spends five raises and cuts down all of of the nameless guards, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And and in D&D, that would have been, okay, roll initiative. Okay, guard one swings. He misses. 
you swing at guard one, you hit. Roll for damage. Okay, cool. You do a little bit of damage to guard one. Guard two swings and hits you. Oh, he doesn't do much damage, right? And and you're doing this wash, rinse, and repeat. It's it's not terrible, right? I make it. I'm, yeah, I'm, you're you're definitely I'm, like not being, illuminating the scenario, right? But but in in seven C, that's a quick like, hey, faceless, faceless. It's, and it's called, one set of rolls instead of twelve. Twelve, right? Yeah, and which it is nice. The it's, outcome. Right. It's, like you said, it helps to speed um, the narrative along. Which um, is the important part in 7C. It isn't the, you know, hey, I, and, and again, this kind of goes back to, I've talked really about character generation and, and, and growth, but in D&D, it's important, right, to keep track of. I killed three goblins, and John, you killed two goblins, and Callie, uh, you healed us while we killed goblins, so here's how we're going to split up the experience points, right? Right. So it's important to keep track of all that stuff because you want to make sure you get credit for for your your actions. With 7C, the character generation process ends with you picking a personal story. So you build your character and it's it's a points based system, right? There's there's no randomness involved. You get to pick everything. Mm-hmm. Um you, you pick well, what you nation you're from, and that gives you some benefits. Uh, you pick your backgrounds, which are jobs or um, things that have happened to you in your in your past or educational opportunities that you've had, uh, and you have a you have a budget of points to spend. And then at the end, two really cool things happen. At the very end, I, the penultimate, not the very end, but right before the very end. You get a hubris and a virtue. Um, your virtue is a power that you can activate that will get you out of a scrape. It, it's it is and and John Wick has, has said this himself. It's a game breaking power. You're in the middle of a scene and you need to do something super heroic, right? You you need to whatever it is. That virtue, you can spend your hero points, and hero points are a currency that heroes get, uh, mm-hmm. to throw that virtue and say, nope, I'm doing this. Uh, your hubris is kind of your Achilles heel. It's your it's your flaw. It's your weakness. Uh, and if your hubris gets activated, you get hero points. You, you, you know, the you there's a penalty, right? Yeah, you do something um, selfish. You do something selfish, you get confused. It, it can derail the scene. So you, yep. you've got a you've got this hubris that can derail the scene. Like if you're greedy, and the the villain says, "Well, you could take me to the constable and have me arrested for 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 burning down the widow's farm, or I can give you this sack of gold." It's like, oh crap, that's going to activate my hubris. Boom, hubris. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll take the sack of gold. All right, here's a hero point. You've taken the sack of gold, and now you're working for the villain. It's like, gosh, I gotta fix this. This isn't <laughs> right. Like, whoops. Uh, so, so that there's there's your that. party will remember that. And and the the way you get those, there's a deck of cards. There's they're they're like tarot cards, uh, mm-hmm. and you deal out the cards. Uh, the I think the cards are a nine ninety nine uh, extra that you can buy. 
uh, to go along with your your rules. You you can use regular tarot cards. You can also use dice. To, you can also just pick them. them. And you you can pick them, although it's more mystical if you use the card. It's more fun, right? It gets you kind of into the theme a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And then like fortune telling. The last thing you do is you pick a story. You pick a goal. So you, you you've just gone through character creation and it happens to everybody, especially with a points budget by character generation system. Uh, gosh, I, I wanted, I wanted that, right? I wanted whatever that, whatever that was. I wanted sea legs, right? I wanted to be uh, really good. At I sailing. wanted dynamic approach because you I didn't realize how good it was. Dynamic approach, which is I think a three point advantage. Um, you may want a family heirloom. Like I want uh, an heirloom item I, I want a signature item i want to be you know i'm a courtesan and i want this fan that i can use you know it's got sharpened blades on the end and it's very oh, pretty oh that's easy. so cool um but i can use it as a weapon a slashing weapon i want that it's like okay cool you man know, you, you, we gotta tell callie about that you, you couldn't afford that before um but if you want that we're gonna we'll build you a story to get it Right, and that's how you do character progression in Seven C. Is every character has a personal story that they're trying to accomplish. Uh, the number of steps in the story, the more steps you have, the bigger reward at the end. So right. this is the equivalent in Five E to like my players talking to me about the magical quest items that I've talked about before. So it's like a subset of the main story. Which sure, but in Seven C, this is more not the main story, but like uh, how you progress instead of secondary progression. Right. It, it's your primary way to grow as a character versus, hey, I killed four goblins. Oh, here's here's forty hundred experience. You know, I don't know what goblins are anymore, but you know, here's here's eighty experience points. I don't use like, XP. Oh, I use milestones, so I, yeah. I I don't know either. No, and 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 my five E group uses XP, so um, so we we get XP allocated for various, and, and it's not just combat, but but for solving puzzles and for for beating challenges and that kind of stuff. Right, but, right. But uh, but this this gives you that kind of growth. The other thing that's very different from Seven C is that you and your your GM negotiate how you wish your character to leave the story how will you shuffle off your mortal coil and die which we haven't even done which we haven't done because we're playtesting a module and I, I have no interest in killing any of you yet um, but the currencies let's go back and talk about the currencies heroes have hero points um, yep. And they have they have abilities. Their 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 virtue can activate hero points. They can use hero points to reroll dice or to give themselves extra six raises. Um, you to can give, give a hero point. Hero... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, you can give a hero point so another hero gets to. So you can spend one hero point for one extra die for you, or for three extra dice for somebody else. So it encourages that team play in a way that like 5e certainly doesn't. 
Yeah, absolutely. And when you spend those hero points, they just go back into the pool. Uh, you gain them by incurring your your hubris. Uh, GMs, I freely award hero points for excellent role play or snazzy quips or <laughs> amazing amazing plans. Uh, they reset every session, so it is a use or lose kind of resource. So there's there's no point in hoarding. I gotta hoard all these hero points until the last half hour of the session. No, no, just just spend them. Um, the GM can actually buy unused dice or or uh, give a hero. So if if we're negotiating, and it's like yeah, um, go ahead. Here's the scene. Um, you're you're at a any a fancy party. There's a couple. They just got engaged. We're celebrating their nuptials. And and you know if one of the players goes, oh, I'm gonna get wicked drunk and make an ass of myself. It's like um, that's really gonna ruin my story. Mm -hmm. now, I'm thinking this in my head. Uh, I'd like you not to do that. And here's a hero point. And of course, now everyone at the table kind of knows. Oh, you know, we've got to let this party run its course, or there's something here that we need to pay attention to. You know, you you pull away a little bit of the mystery, um, but now that that player has has a reward, the yeah. GM. It's, it's a lot of it's a lot of negotiating with the GM. I think. Yes, absolutely. Which, which is it's kind of both a pro and a con for me. I think. I'm, yeah, I don't know. I'm torn on it a little bit. No, and and that's, I mean, it, the the thing our group is having, I'm not good at as a GM, and I need to learn to do this better, is to give you guys more space for RP. Right. Like, and and to kind of give you better boundaries for, okay, this is what's happening. Here's kind of the space for RP. Um this is kind of what's going to happen. It, it's it's a little bit of kind of pulling back the curtain because, like, this is what's happening at the party and this is what people are kind of doing. What would you like to do while this is happening? Um, you know, you're kind of like, well, if I don't do anything, what's going to happen? Um, right. And it's like, well, you know, that I can't tell you. But if you, if you don't, I mean, if you don't do anything, Right. Theoretically, the villains are are gonna finish their schemes, and we haven't talked about that yet either. The only um, thing necessary for good for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. To do nothing, right? And that's that's one of the other things we didn't talk about with character creation is there's no alignment in Seventh C. All the heroes are heroes. You are good guys. You are well, Indigo Montoya. You are new. Yeah, it's something good, right? Because some right. some people if, are more chaotic good, and some people are more lawful good. Yeah, but if you take an evil act, you will get corruption points, and you have to start rolling, making corruption rolls. Uh, if you fail a corruption roll, one. If you fail one corruption roll, you are now an NPC villain, and your character sheet goes to the GM. Which is a pretty cool way of saying you literally can't be a murder hobo, or I, or I get your character. I get your character, and then my, you know, it's like let's say Joseph got corrupted and you failed. It's not going to happen because you're playing the character brilliantly. But let's yeah, just say he's, he's a good right? dude. If if you went 
bad, right? I'm going to torture this guy. It's like if you torture that guy, you're going to take corruption. And, and you have to warn. The GM, is the rules on corruption are very clear. You have to warn the player before the thing happens in game. Once it happens, they get corruption and they make a roll. Um, but let's say, right, Joseph did this. Well, he now becomes a villain for me. He's already started to learn about Donatilla and Paolo and and their workings. And now he's like, yep, I tortured that guy. And yeah, the maestro, he's a drunk. I used to think he's an honorable man, but he's just a drunk jerk. Let's take him for all the money he's worth. And now <sighs> that character, that villain NPC knows a lot about what the other players know about. And yep. sits there a bit disappointed. Oh, that'd be so bad. So the GM has has here. So we talked about corruption. Uh, the GM has danger points, right? And those are basically hero points for villains. Yep. The, and there are set rules for how the GM can spend those danger points. I can. The only way you can kill a character in Seventh C is the character has to be wounded to the point of incapacitated. And have no hero points left to spend and the villain has to be present and the GM has to spend a danger point. Now, you could architect a scenario where all of that stuff comes to fruition, but it's very different than, oh, hey, that ogre hit you. Let me roll some dice. Oh, hey, that ogre did 12 points of damage. Only have seven hit points. Well, I guess you're dead. Yeah. Right, it's it's a very different um, it... way to handle the character growth progression and and death. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We talked about we, had, we did an episode on character death, but yeah. and we mentioned you mentioned Seven C back then, but I, I get what you're talking about now. Um, and sticking with the the theme of Seven C being a, a cinematic role playing game. It makes sense to think that you know you wouldn't be defeated by a couple of of goons, you know. Kuzco and Kronk defeat the shape changing guards. Um, Pacha and Kronk. Pacha and Kuzco. Yes. Yep. Yeah. My bad. No, um, you're fine. <laughs> but right. uh, but, the, but, yeah. but yeah, you like you don't have to to worry about it so much. So if you've got players. You know, if you're in your session zero and you're talking about what system to play and you've got players who are, you know, I'd really like to make a character who is a hero, um, but I, you know, I really don't want my character to die. You can do that in 5e, but it takes a lot of the, the risk out without compensating in any way. And sure. in 7c, you can do that and still have brute squads and, and non-villain enemies have a negative impact without players ever being afraid of being, you know, murdered in their sleep. Right. I mean, let's go back to, to Pirates of the Caribbean, right? And uh, Will and um, what's-her-face? Um, oh, gosh. Yeah. Kira Knightley. Yep. Um, they're, they're having, right? Hey. Elizabeth. This, Elizabeth. So Swan. Will and Elizabeth are in are under they're in in the lower decks of the ship and they're you know, he's he's bandaging her hand where Barbosa cut it and they're talking about the medallion, right? And then of course the black pearl and the cursed pirates are shooting at the ship and 
and during the battle, Will rushes down and grabs the right. He's got to find the medallion, but the the hold is filling with water, and the ship is sinking. And finally, right, they light the powder magazine on fire, and boom! And of course, Elizabeth runs to the rail. Will, because right, Will's on the ship. Yep. He he should be dead. Dead, but if, he's not. If Will Turner dies... Spoiler alerts for a 12-year-old right, movie. Yeah, sorry, Pirates of the Caribbean spoiler <laughs> alerts. But if, but if he dies there, what happens to his story? What happens to their story, right? Because Pirates of the Caribbean, right? It's, a, it's the story of Captain Jack Sparrow and Elizabeth Swan and Will Turner, right? The, the first movie is all those three characters are the primary, right? And Barbosa is the villain. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so what would happen if one of the main characters died? Now, sure, there are lots of uh, media, right? I'm looking at you, George R. R. Martin, and if I see you again, I'm going to kick you again. Um, <laughs> where people just, right? Hey, that Ned Stark guy, he's pretty cool. Oh, he's dead. Hey, that guy, he's a jerk. Oh, hey, I don't have to worry about him. He's dead, right? Um, you know, if you look at Game of Thrones... Right? You're like, oh, that's Jon Snow's story. Uh, maybe not. Right? Oh, it's Tyrion Lannister's story. And I think he's one of the ones that actually, you know, spoiler alert again for Game of Thrones, right? Tyrion Lannister is one of the ones that lasts the longest. Um, but but that's, yeah, you, you, you are a character in a cinematic story. It's your story. You're the hero. You're, you're not going to check out. Because, you know, oh, that random Pirate 7 hits you with a bottle and now you're dead. (laughs) Right. Right. But it's not as artificial as um, I'm thinking now of uh, Austin Powers, right? Where when his dad's on the submarine, it's like, do you know who I am? You don't even have a name tag. Why don't you just lay down? I mean, with enough raises, that could probably happen. I mean, with with if if you got enough raises in panache and intimidate, yeah, you could you could totally pull that. It's like here's five raises. It, it, it's <laughs> just, a, it's, it's just, a, just lay it down. It's a strength five brute squad, and I have panache and intimidate, and I've got seven raises. Hey fellas, <laughs> do you know who I am? Do you see how sharp my sword is? I think you should just put those clubs down and go home to your wives because. If we fight, you're not going to make it out of here alive. And and seven raises, they all look at each other and <laughs> drop their stuff and run. I mean, it's nice. It's, yeah, you could totally do that. Very Absolutely. Cool. Absolutely. So, so, oh, I was going to move on to villains, but do okay. you have a question? No, go ahead. So, so the other thing that's interesting about Seventh C is you're setting these scenes for the players. In the back, behind the screen, as the GM, I have villains, right? In our current story, there are three. The party has identified one for sure. Uh, I think you've identified the second, excuse me, the second one. Um, yep. And you're still kind of looking for the, it's the, for the, the lady. The third. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm not going to spoil that for you. But right. villains have a strength, which is kind of their physical prowess. If you fight a villain... Uh, if a villain has a high strength and you're fighting them physically, they're going to be a challenging fight, right? Um, the 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 big German guy in Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? When they're fighting around the airplane, that's a villain with a high physical strength. Uh, his strength value is very high. His influence value, influence is the number for you know 
how influential you are in the society, how much money you have, how many favors other people owe you. So, so you have these two values for a villain, and that's it. They don't get other stats, right? Um, mm-hmm. NPC stats don't exist in 7C. Uh, the villain okay. has, has two stats, strength and influence. All of your other faceless mooks, your bandits, your your pirates, your robbers, your town guards, yeah, they they are called a brute squad, and they basically one raise takes one brute out of the fight. Whether it's I I I cut him and he's wounded, or I killed him, or I ran him off. Uh, so if you have a brute squad that is strength seven, you need seven raises with some kind of physical approach to defeat them. Um, and that's it. There's no there, there's no hit dice, there's no hit points, there's no armor class. It's just I have a I have a there's a band of pirates on that ship. It's a strength 10 brute squad. I need 10 raises to to beat them. Beat them up and make them go away. Um, and with the villain, you get these two strength and influence. Now a villain also has a set of schemes. So a, 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 I've, I've given my villains uh, a, a set number of schemes that they're trying to accomplish while the party is telling, is seeing the story from their side. So mm-hmm. Donna, you guys know that Donna Tila, she's a villain. Uh, she's she's a bully. Uh, she runs a boarding, she's the, the house mom for a boarding school she's collecting secrets on the students and using that to try and blackmail the parents to make some money um she's except she's uh bamboozled captain Tafani into marrying her uh and she's going to use that to her advantage so a villain invests their influence in schemes so she invested as I'm not going to tell you the number because then you could work out how how powerful she is but yeah. she invested a set number of influence points in the blackmail scheme. Okay. Now you guys forwarded it. You found the letters, you realized that they were bad, you showed the the proper authorities uh, and you told some of the families or you you checked out some of the families and and made sure that they were okay. The scheme totally foiled she loses those influence points that she invested. She's invested some influence points in getting Captain Tafani to marry her. If she gets married, she wins, and she gains double the number of points she invested. And now she becomes more, right? Because she's married to an upstanding naval officer that's going to give her an avenue to do more bad things. It'd be harder for us to take her out. It will be. Now, if you ruin the wedding, I'm not telling you to wreck the poor lady's wedding, but if you ruin the wedding, she doesn't get that, and she becomes less powerful. When a, when the villain's influence drops to zero, they become a brute, or they leave the story. Mm-hmm. Right? Just like if their strength drops to zero, they are dispatched, whether that's killed or rendered unconscious and, and captured and thrown in jail. So... That's another thing that's really different in 7C that I really, really like is that it, it's not, you know, hey, I'm Strahd and I'm in my castle and, you know, come on, walk through some of my traps and see if you can beat me up at the end in my throne room. Hooray. Right. And I've got all these right. cool abilities I'll throw at you. It's like, no, if you were Strahd in your castle, you're not just going to sit in your it's, 
it, it's not a game of boss monster where I'm just sitting at the end, right? <laughs> right. Right. And, and and I know MMOs have that kind of feel, right? Oh, you know, you are not prepared. I'm Illidan. Come beat me up. But in 7C, your villains are thinking, feeling, acting people. They're almost players. And, and I mean, they don't, again, they don't have all the stats, but they're doing things and they're trying to make things happen. And they have goals. Now, they're bad goals, right? Then there's a whole section in the core rulebook about how to how to architect a good villain and how you know a villain may be doing the wrong thing for the right reason or the villain might be doing the right thing for the wrong reason or a villain might be just one of those you know ends ways means the ends you know the end the end justifies the means so it's okay (laughs) that you know i'm sinking ships and hurting people and making making the merchants of my town poor because right there's one merchant who wronged my family and I'm going to make sure he goes out of business. Well, you're, you know, you're crushing the town and killing people. Yeah. It doesn't matter. As long as he suffers, it's worth it. It's like, yeah, you're a villain. That's villainy. Uh, And you know, it's up to the party to stop that. Um, And, and that's just, that's so much more fun from a GM perspective is that I've got Donatilla and I've got these other two, uh, and they're doing things and they're working on stuff. And, and you know, I'm keeping notes. I have a whole separate set of notes for what the villains are doing just to make sure, you know, because their time is happening, right? The, the, you guys have 28 days um, before, before the, um, the pirates raid the city. Yep. Right. Which we're going to stop. You're gonna stop. I know you guys. You guys are. It's 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 great to see how you're gonna do it. I know you're gonna do it. Um, even, and and again, it's cinematic. So you could do it at twenty-seven days, ten minutes. Like the pirate ship is sailing in, and the first salvo of cannons go off, and you'll do something to stop the attack. Like we'll run up this flag, or we'll we'll Dude. find we'll figure out what that mirror does uh, yep. and use its power to to do something. Um, and it's just very, yes, yes. And and that's, and and I know I, I keep gushing on about this system, but, um, it is, it's okay. Yeah. We, I think we, we've definitely talked about, you know, what we love about it, the, the fast pacedness, uh, the, the driving of the narrative without losing gameplay. Um, I think we touched on that briefly, but. You know, in in 5e, you can do the same thing narratively, right? You can have the players, you know, you guys are level 8, I'm not going to have you roll to beat the goblins. You stroll in, subjugate the goblin village, and are in the meeting hall talking to the king. Um, But you lose gameplay by doing that. So you don't lose gameplay in 7c by speeding up their narrative. Um, and whatever gameplay you do have is, and I, I don't mean this poorly, but the gameplay is relatively simple, um, I, I think. Uh, instead of having, you know, I've got a roll to attack and I have to add my strength modifier and my proficiency bonus because I'm proficient with a longsword and uh, it's right. a plus one longsword and I, I got a bardic inspiration die last turn, um... So, you know, you add up all of these things just to find out if you hit, and then you do the same thing for your damage. Right. Um, and, uh, again, I I like I like that at times. I also have been really enjoying 7C. 
Um, but the seven seed gameplay is, is simpler um, in the the D10 system. Um, the theme is pretty great. Uh, we've talked about that quite a bit. Yeah. Um, uh, the cinematic nature makes it. You know, we've said it kind of ad nauseum already, but it makes it like a movie. So instead of thinking about things in terms of six second intervals, you can think about the five minute scene in the movie. Um, and time passes faster. So we've got the 28 days to before the pirates will attack the place and kill the baddies. And I, I, we're trying to stop that. And so my, my plan is to have that happen much quicker. But two weeks in my D&D game can take two months in real time. In real time, uh, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, we had a... We had a four-hour session that was just about real time. They played from, it was a, a day that they started at, you know, 7, 7.30, and we ended that session four hours later, and it was like 11.30 a.m. So, And and I've had a three-hour three real-time session um, that was about 15 minutes worth of combat. Yep. Been there, too. Yeah. Yeah, the... So the uh, the, the whole night Monday was one fight, and it was roughly 15 minutes in-game. Um, and, had... and again, that's that's not bad. Um, and, and the outcomes are different, right? There, there's more risk. There, there was more risk, and there was more meaningful decisions in that, in that three hours of gameplay um, than anything we've done in 7C, because... My neutral evil character is starting to think in the back of her mind, like, I'm losing this fight. When do I cast invisibility and slink away and and let the and get away from these bad guys? Because I'm I'm you know I'm below a quarter of my I have twenty five percent of my hit points left. I think that's where I'm pulling this trigger. Um and that's that's fun and it's challenging, but the the you know, roll for initiative, roll to hit, roll for damage, roll to hit, roll for damage, roll. It 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 gets repetitive for me. Mm. Um, we had, and I I learned an important lesson from this uh, to not have too many moving parts in in an encounter, and I think I talked about it on the show, but uh, the encounter at the end of the campaign that I had been the first arc of that campaign where they were on the volcano. Um, we played for four or four and a half hours, and we made it through literally 60 seconds of the fight. Wow. Um, yeah. And there there was some shenanigans that episode, too, with, uh, like, some players uh, being very tactical um, and and it, it was fun. I think everybody still had fun. Yeah. Um, but it certainly wasn't the the driving cinematic pacing that seven C right. is. Yeah. No. And, 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 and if you watch some of John wicks videos, um, on YouTube, he actually has an egg timer during combat. Interesting. So, so initiative is whoever has the most raises, they can act first, but you can, the party can actually negotiate who acts first. Um, depending on people's approaches and, and how they're doing things. Mm -hmm. Um, but he does when he's GMing. If you're in combat, when it's time to spend your raises, you better know what you want to do, or right. else he flips. Or else he flips the timer. It's like, no, this is this is action. What are you going to do? 
like you already know what your approach is uh aim and finesse you've got your pistol out you're gonna shoot something what are you shooting well how far and and that and i think that's where 5e slows down it's like well how far away am i and what do i have line of sight to and what you know what and, and you start to worry about those little mechan fiddly bits right the mechanical crunch of you know miniatures on on graph or if you're playing on roll 20 right graph the the grid and and arrows and that kind of stuff and and it's like no you you got your pistol you're gonna shoot well, i'm gonna I'm going to shoot the chain that's holding the the candelabra, and I'm going to drop the candelabra on three uh, goons. Okay, three raises. Okay, you you do it. Boom, bang. You hit the chandelier. Right. There's no roll. Do I hit it? No. You spent the three raises to take out the three, um, the three brutes, and mm -hmm. with something with that kind of dramatic flair, here's a hero point. Right. That's that's just awesome. And you said it earlier too that the you know, the successes in 7C are called raises. They are um, called raises, and, yeah. and that you get, you roll for your raises when you take a risk, but the risk being, you know, the attempt of doing something, dropping a candelabra and killing three people is riskier in D&D. You have a higher chance to fail than you do in 7C. Yeah, because you would have to shoot the object and you'd have to do enough damage to the object to make it fall and then you'd have to work out the crush damage or the blunt damage of a falling metal chandelier on top of three uh guards right yeah. three human yeah. guards I mean, it falls it falls 20 feet so it's 2d6 bludgeoning plus right. I'll, I'll give a size modifier so 2d8 bludgeoning to each of them yeah. It's not, then, I, so I like the I like Five E for that for the risk that it has in the simple things and the chance to fail. Yeah, and, uh, I, I, it's that it's not adrenaline chasing, but it's the there's no twenty and one moments in Seven C. Um, so so I, it, I, it all feels heroic. It never it, is like oh that feels really bad. Right, and 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 I think I like that. I mean, and and. In D and D, in Five E, you would never. I'm gonna try and. I mean, it would be a very creative, risky player to shoot the 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 chain holding the chandelier to try and take out three guards. Right. You I don't know. Never do I, that. You, I, if you, you're playing, you, you a, totally would. Well, I don't know. If you're playing a gunslinger and you've rolled initiative and you know where you are on the initiative track and you're facing off against five guards. You know, I, I don't, maybe this is just me as a 5e player, but I'm like, okay, which guard am I going to shoot? Well, the the warlock who yeah, are went, you not being as creative me, as you could be? I, I think I think I'm not because the the risk the the reward isn't worth the risk, right? If I do the the snazzy shoot the chain, drop the chandelier on three guards in 5e, what do I get? Uh, a Experience total point? a total of six d eight damage as opposed to the one d eight that your crossbow does. Uh, one d ten for my firearm, but because sure. I'm a gunslinger. Yeah. But but it's like but yeah okay so I I get a little bit of a damage bonus, but it's not really it's not really the the milieu. It's right. It's not it's not that's not kind of how a five e group traditionally plays, and maybe that's just my group. Yeah, I think um, so. 
like if uh, like especially the guys on like there will be dungeons are using all sorts of, of environment like i'm gonna just push the guy off the tower because he's gonna fall like okay it's a shove or right. uh, we're gonna jump off the tower and I'm gonna feather fall us, and then we'll use a scroll of reverse gravity to get back up on the tower once these other guys fall off. Like, there's a lot of a lot of really creative stuff. Okay. I think. Man, then I mean, maybe I've just I've just been so... creativity is system agnostic. So it it is, but I think some systems encourage it more than others. They, yeah, they, I mean, you make it yeah. easier, right? So yeah. you, you play 7C because you want to feel successful and heroic, and it right. always feels good. But if you want something that you've got, you know, the chance to fail at, that that bit of, of danger that's more dangerous than what you find in 7C, um, then, you you know, you've got other systems Sure. Yeah, I, I just, I don't remember a lot of my character deaths in 5E, I remember those those twenty moments. Like I, I I'm not a big. I guess I don't I don't fixate on the one moments, the 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 botches or the crit misses, um, as much as I do on the when I rolled the twenty. Like oh, I'm gonna seduce the Yuan T and and totally derail uh, Tomb of Annihilation. Nat <laughs> Nat twenty. Hey, look what I did. Um, I I I remember that, and I'll re- probably remember that for a long long time. Um, but the the fails, like oh yeah, it took us like forever to fight that guy, or oh yeah, you know that that's when I my steps on tails, my tabaxi monk, um, he got killed, and and I don't really I'm, I remember the fight, but I don't remember the role, and I don't remember it's like he just got you know he got overwhelmed with orcs, uh, and, and he died. <laughs> it's like okay, um, and and I think that's that's what puts seven C right at the top for me is that. It really, it brings those twenty moments. They happen more frequently. Yeah, I mean, every raise is a twenty, basically. Basically, yeah. And if if you have ten, if you have seven to to nine raises to throw at something, something amazing is going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. You know. Um. Yeah. So that's I. I don't. I don't love that there isn't as much risk, uh, and maybe it's just because we've rolled well. But even in we keep going back to the Princess Bride, Wesley gets knocked out and tortured, and almost dies. He does, um, yeah. And we we yeah. just haven't had any. We've we have had the most dangerous parts in in the sea didn't hurt us, and we caused a little upstart at a party, and nothing happened, and we snuck oh. a woman. Out of uh, out of the courts that she was in, and nothing <laughs> happened. So there's just not a lot of, of badness going on. So so I I, th- I think what's what's happening um, because the villains are definitely working to counter what you're doing. Right, but they're um, not doing anything. They're just working on it. They're they're working on it, and and I think I think this is kind of my like. It, again, we're going to go back to movie, right? This is the first act. We're establishing things. Who's who in the zoo and what are their roles and how are they connected? Um, I think this party I meant to be kind of a turning point for you guys. You've you've got your mission. You know what you need to do. And now, um, like, think, think of the movie Die Hard, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of 
him walking around in the stairwell and a lot of him crawling around in the vents and a lot of him there's a lot of time when john mcclane isn't shooting bad guys um right but the bad guys are 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 kicking in people and and setting up badness sure and 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 that's been happening it's just for you guys it's happening off camera all right so I want to so see more bad things. I guess. Well, it's it's coming, right? Because the the bad guys are gonna just be about done with your your shenanigans here. Well, good. And uh, and I think this wedding is gonna be the perfect the the perfect catalyst for some of those those things. Yeah. Are there things that you don't like about it, or should I just go into the things I don't like about it? So so some of the stuff I don't like about it is. Um, it's very hard to write a module. Yep. Right. Um, yep, it is. It, it is, and, and and like I said, I'm trying to write a module for Seventh C, and I, I've read some of the modules for Seventh C, um, but it's very hard to write uh, a a common story. You you've got all your PCs, they've got a bunch of different personal stories they're all trying to work at, and as a GM, right, that's one of the reasons why for for our playtest, I said no personal stories. Um, right. Because then I'm trying to tell a story. I'm trying to help people through the plot of my module. And no, no, I have to sail to the Crescent City and ride a camel because that's in my story. It's like, okay, great. You know, we'll 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 do a side quest for you um, and and derail the the story. So that's that's one thing. Um, I th- I think the other thing is that. And you'll think this is kind of silly. It's very dense. There's a lot to take in. Like you can't pick up the even the quick start guide PDF is how many pages? What fifty? Um, what? Gosh, no! It's like thirteen. Is it? Is it thirteen? It's um, like not a lot. Okay, but it just feels like there's these there's all these countries and all these nationalities and there's the church and 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 all this stuff uh so that's one of the the downsides um i think with 7c is that it's it's so massive that for new players it looks unapproachable 37 pages 37 pages um so so it's less unapproachable than than 5e though again really yeah no 7c is is shallower i that's I know there's a lot of negative connotation around that, so I don't want to say shallower and mean it in a bad way, but there Did, is more mean, 5e <laughs> canon than there is 70 or 70. Oh, yeah. At, at, well, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, so and with you've got, the, you know, nine countries that resemble real world countries, and it's a, a sort of resemblant map geographically as well. So it's easy to latch on to pretty quickly and 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 yeah you've got secret societies and orders and and sorceress magics and whatever else but you you haven't got continents worth of places and hundreds of thousands of you know notable characters to learn and and races and classes, right? There's no classes. Everyone's yeah. a human. Yeah, it's definitely easier to get into, which is one of the things I I would call a pro going for it is, you know, if you really just want to get into a role play game, 
yeah, there are quick start things for 5e, but the quick start for 7c is even quicker. Um, and, and if you are quick starting, you don't lose a lot of depth because you're not reading all of that other stuff. So, No, you, you just make a couple of characters and then you pick, you know, Man in the Iron Mask, Pirates of the Caribbean, like pick a movie and, and put yourself, you know, on Tortuga. <laughs> right. Um, so what don't you like about 7C? I've gushed for, for how long? An hour and a half now? Yeah, just um, about. <laughs> what, what, do, what don't you like about 7C? Um, well, I, I already mentioned that I was kind of mixed on the the non-static roles, where you don't really know if your raises are enough to do what you want to do or not, and how everything is, is a bit of a negotiation. Um, I don't get the, the satisfaction of, alright, I'm going to run to the end of the hall and push the guy out the window immediately, because I don't know if I can do that or not. I I assume that I can, and we already sort of covered this, but but I it is uh, a little bit less certain. I can I can be mechanically a little less confident in my capabilities at any given moment. Okay. Um, and and you know my other sort of negative to tag along with that is that you may you know, narrate a great scene, you know, I've got, all right, I've got four raises, terrific, I'm going to narrate a great scene where I murder this guy, and it's like, ah, well, you'd need five raises to do all of that, so, um, which is not terrible, but those are, those are sort of the things that, that I don't like about it, um, and, and being a tabletop role-playing game, and I, it's, it's so tricky, I, I, have recently prototyped out a, a board game idea, and I've play-tested it twice, and it would be so good for a video game, and D&D, or like any tabletop role-playing game, would make a terrific video game. Um, if you've seen this stuff for like Baldur's Gate 3, which is comical but looks amazing, um, that, you know, transferring a tabletop role-playing game into a video game is uh, lofty. And so there are times where I feel like 7C would be maybe maybe better as a video game because I, I want those sort of mechanical things that I can look at and, and say, okay, well, I know I can do this, 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 and this. Um, and I know that I if I roll less than a 15, I definitely can't do that. Um, and so it's... I I don't know. I struggle critiquing it for not being video gamey enough because it's not a video game. Um, but I, I've been spending a lot of time lately thinking about you know reconciling those two differently and and what makes them you know what they are for the platform that they're on. And so see and, seven... and that's and and that that kind of uncertainty. You know, I, I, I'm, I, I want to do this. Okay. You need five raises. I only rolled four. Um, and we talked about this a little bit with the secret door and the, and the, ta and the worn tapestry, right? Yeah. Um, where in five E it's, it's no, right. It's binary. I, I did it or I didn't do it. Um, well, see again, it's, it's DM discretion though. 
Well, I mean, yeah, like, so, so yes, point, the, right? the effect is binary, right? But it's the same thing in 7C, where you don't see the door, but you might find evidence that suggests that it's there. So you didn't roll a 10, you didn't see it, but a 5 is good enough to notice that there are footprints in the dust that seem to, to like, some people are walking up and away from this tapestry all the time, what's so special about this? Right. So I th and, yeah, and I think it's just how you how you run it. I, I think yeah, but again, seventh C is is architected is the game mechanics are designed in such a way that if you can't, it's it's almost not DM dependent at that point. Like if you get a DM who's black and white, hey, you're supposed to roll perception, roll perception. Okay, I roll perception. Oh, you don't perceive anything. Yeah, but okay. no, I like it's you wouldn't keep playing in that game. Like it wouldn't be fun well, if it was you just, just turn, flat I mean, like as, that. As a party, you just turn around and go do something else, right? Um, and it would, it would, it could potentially derail uh, the narrative. It could, it could put the plot in a different, uh, in a different place. Like, hey, you know, the Whomping Willow is beating the crap out of us. Oh, okay. Well, um, I'm gonna roll perception to see if there's a way to hide under the tree. Oh, you failed. Okay, well, the tree's going to keep beating you up. Well, I can stay here and get beat to shreds by the Whomping Willow, or I can run away and then not chase Peter Pettigrew down the hallway um, in the end of, I forget which Harry Potter movie that is, but you, you uh, see what I'm saying? Third. That's, um, yeah, Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah, but, um, so, so in that scene, right, in that scene, okay. if it was 7C, it would be... You know, two raises to dodge a couple of the the hits from the willow and to dive under underneath. Right. In in five e, you would make an athletics or acrobatics check to to dodge the the first whomping willow strike, and sure. and they they pass the first one, they duck under it, and then you'd make another one, and you fail that one. So Hermione gets whacked, and Harry loses his glasses, and then they make a third one, and they succeed, so they dive under. Like you still. It's just slower. It's slower. I think. I think that's what. I think that's what it is. Is it's slower, and the there's and we talked about risk, right? I think the risk is that you could derail the story, right? If if you rolled poorly enough, like oh you got hit by the tree, oh you got hit by the tree again, oh you got hit by the tree the third time, make a death save. It's like oh, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna. I'm going to die here and not learn anything interesting about the story. Yes, you which, will die at the tree, which, which is which again, hilarious is a, and meaningful. It, and can be hilarious and meaningful. Like, oh, you remember that time when we couldn't even make it past the tree? Oh, yeah, that was that was <laughs> Right. right. Then we the, had to start the story again, or we had to start the... Um, I, I think that's... But why would yeah. you start over? You would just start with some of their classmates who followed them out to the tree and who watched them get beat to a pulp and now you're at the tree again and these classmates saw the pattern so they dive in and you keep going right from there yeah i, I guess I, I yeah i suppose it's i i really i just think it's how you run it you know yeah. um yeah, and I, I, I think that you want less interrupting of the story that you're trying to convey which i totally get cuz i you know my first campaign that I ran with my 5e group took us two years um, and it was you know we fast traveled through maybe a month of time 
maybe a month and a half. So it was close to four months of, of actual time where, you know, that would have been four to seven months total for what we did in two years in 7C. So it's, I, I think it is, do you really want to tell the story that you want to tell? Because 7C is better for that. You want your yeah. characters, you want your players to get through the story, you want them to be heroic, and you want them to see everything that you've read, written and prepped. Whereas in 5E, Pathfinder, Starfinder, etc., you as the DM, and I, I'm learning this more and more, have to be uh, a little bit more flexible in what you're trying to do. So maybe there is something that you really want your players to see or get or do, and they keep sort of getting caught into bar fights and now they're arrested so they got out of prison and now they're going to go try to find money so they can get new magic items and um it it just takes longer to do those things without as much nudging and shuffling and yeah um, yeah yeah no, i i get that i get that i mean i play both systems i'm not i'm not anti 5e no no I'm not just... at all i'm just helping illustrate some of the differences yeah and how how a newer DM who's trying to decide well what system do I play how something might play out in one of these versus the other yeah um, absolutely and and I like going to five E as the comparison because the most people know that so sure you know, you know what that is like but if you've never heard of seven C before now hopefully you know a little bit what seven C is like go play it it's awesome <laughs> yes no I mean try it right that's yeah. the I wish. And I, I, from that Reddit post, I was like, "Why wouldn't you? This is the, this is literally a system designed around what you're trying to accomplish in Five E, and you don't have to change a damn thing about it." Right. What's the what's the hangup, man? And I, I think it's just popularity and availability, and everyone has access to it, and everybody already knows. Roll for initiative, roll to hit, roll for damage. I right. know what a long familiar. sword does. It is. It's familiar. And and that and and that's that whole and, and we saw that with Matt playing yesterday. The so what do I roll? And when do I roll? It's like, well, I've set the scene and you figure out kind of how you're gonna approach the scene, and that's when you roll. It's like, well, I don't have to roll for this one specific task. No, no, no. You, you know, you, we're gonna you know, if your approach is I'm gonna use uh, finesse and and perform to do some dancing uh, to 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 accomplish, you know, I'm gonna da I'm gonna out dance and be more graceful than anyone on the on the on the dance floor and shame the bride and groom so that they're mad at me um, and maybe do something foolish. That that's your approach. Like you don't have to make a a performance check for dancing or a notice check for this or that check for that. I think, I think that's what trips a lot of players up is that the right. mechanics are way different and the narrative can flow very easily from GM to player and back. Right. right? Like, yeah. like, um, like Callie did. It's like, Hey, you've got a bunch of raises. You're on the ship. Do you want to narrate something? Or you did. You found the shipwreck, right? Yep. My raise you, was to find uh, to spot the shipwreck. You you spotted a shipwreck on the on the sail across the bay that no one had ever found before. And I, I didn't write a ship. There's no there's no shipwreck in any of my notes. Um, but you narrated it. You know, the, uh, 
and it was great. You know, I'm I'm on the I'm on this bowsprit. I'm hanging off the rigging, and I spy a circle of birds, and I call for the captain to you know heave heave to port so we can check this thing out because we're way ahead of schedule. And the birds are circling uh, a sinking a ship that has been victimized by pirates, and it's sinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's that like, okay, fun. great. You know, spend a couple of raises, you can get some wealth off that. And uh, and Callie spent a couple of raises, and instead of giving her just random wealth, that's I said, you know, let's give them something cool. You found an emerald ring, and everyone's like, ooh, a ring. But none of that was any stuff that I had prepped. And I think that's one of the uh, another thing with Seventh C, um, is that we talked about improv. As a GM, you have to be okay with going someplace you haven't prepped. Like, we found mm. a, a deserted sinking ship. And it's yeah. like, cool, you, you found it. You you have the raises. You tell me what's in there. And then Matt saw a shark. I'm, I want to see a shark. Cool. You, you know, after everyone's done kind of – because everyone had spent their raises successfully to get the, the stuff off the ship, right? All of your moving around on this sinking derelict has attracted the attention of a bull shark, and he's now circling your boat. It's like, wow, that's cool, right? I mean, that was uh, yeah, something cool that happened that I had again no no prep for at all. Um, I think that that that'll probably be like the the last thing that I do really like about it is that it is more cooperative. It's there are less mechanics, but mechanically, it's more cooperative than than 5e is yes yeah absolutely um but it's a lot of fun and uh it's it's not difficult to learn the quick start stuff is is really really concise and well done um easy to follow and uh it's a lot a lot of fun having fun with it looking forward to more yeah i can't wait till wednesday (laughs) is it wednesday yet what are we critical role now no Um, no not, not yet, but you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm excited to see what happens with the with the wedding. Like now that you've kind of gone through the engagement and you guys have a really good solid idea of what's happening, right? Mm-hmm. You're gonna get the feedback from the father, from the estranged daughter, right? The estranged daughter has sent her father a letter. He started to read it. He saw the earring that she gave you to prove it was from her, and his his eyes filled with tears. Um, that's kind of where we end it. I always like to end Seventh C on a cliffhanger, right? Um, what so, d- what GM DM doesn't doesn't right? And it's so easy. It's like this is the end of the scene, and we're gonna we're in the transition between scenes. You're gonna talk to the basically the quest giver, for lack of a better term, sure. uh, and get get your next set of quests, and um, and and we'll see what happens. It, it will be. It will be exciting, and and uh, yes, I, I was I was I thought you were going to insult the bridegroom to the point where he would duel you. I was all set for that. I I even started kind of sketching out. Oh no, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna schmooze, and and you're like, I'm just gonna schmooze him. And it's like, oh, come on, <laughs> you know she's bad. You know she's gonna use him if she gets her hooks into him. What are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, all in time, all in time. I, I know, I know, and and it's it's. I mean, again, we're, we like we talked about with the the Die Hard movie. There's there's a lot of time spent, you know, kind of going along to get along. Like Wesley and Buttercup spend a lot of time 
kind of wandering around, right? Yep. Yeah. And, and she doesn't know it's Wesley. She thinks it's the Dread Pirate Roberts, and then she she shoves him down the hill, and then she follows him down the hill, right? Mm-hmm. There, there's an example of you don't have enough raises. Oh, we want to have enough raises to get away from the bad guys. It's like, ah, eh, you don't have enough raises for that, but you could you know, fall down the hill, take a few wounds and wind up in the fire swamp and, and then they can't follow you right down the hill. So, well, nah, I'll, burn, all right. I'll, burn, I'll burn three raises for that. You know, you needed seven to get rid of them. You only have three. If you, you know, you take two wounds falling down the, the hill and now you're in the fire swamp and it's going to take them half a day to walk, to ride around the ridge. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Right. So, um, do you We're have any any time, any closing thoughts? Yeah, closing thoughts. I mean, I could I could talk seventh. I could talk more seventh C. Um, I know you could, but I could. Uh, but I sure do need some closing thoughts, don't I? Um, well, you don't I, need them, but you're welcome to them. I, I I think it is definitely, it's definitely a system everybody should check out. It's one of those systems that you should like D&D everyone should play D&D right everyone should play 5e I'll, I'll say that yeah. everyone should play either 5e or Pathfinder everyone should play 5e don't play Pathfinder or do everybody, but also play 5e everybody should try out Starfinder Starfinder is another one that's really good yeah that one's actually pretty pretty cool Fiasco is is fun and light and everybody should give that a shot just once just to show that either you like cooperative storytelling or you don't That's, um, it's just too light and yeah no but you've tried it right you tried it once and you're like well nope, this, is, this is too we've we looked at the rule once. book once we've did we play once. yeah you guys left I me i don't remember an invalid oh yeah so so nope. <laughs> that's it wasn't wasn't memorable enough it, yeah but you you left me in a nursing home and with severe Alzheimer's, and you sold my farm out from under me, uh, and then you went to jail because you were buying drugs with that money. Um, and yeah, you wound up in jail. I wound up in a nursing home. I think Matt was the only one that had a positive outcome, and he got a house in the suburbs, but was riddled with guilt and had to take like uh, Ambien or Ritalin for the rest of his life. Hmm. All right. They're dark stories, right? They're dark humor stories for for most of Fiasco, but yeah, we we played it once, but it wasn't. We didn't love it. Nobody loved it. Um, but so yeah, Seventh C. Seventh C is definitely something you should play, right? It's it's right up there. You know, it's it's one of those off systems that people talk about. Um, give it a shot. Again, it's it's not everyone's cup of tea because it does kind of lack that risk. Like, oh, I could die at any minute. Not really, no. But you're going to see the end of the movie. You're going to make it to the end of the movie and have some kind of conclusion. Yep. Right? Um, and and hopefully the conclusion will be memorable. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. no, I, I would echo that. Uh, do try it. Um, don't expect it to be 5e because it's not. Oh, um, it's not. Nope. Yeah. Yeah, make a, make a movie in a role-playing game. So that's gonna do it, man. Uh, yeah, it was. It did turn out to be a beefy episode, but that's all right. Uh, we got. We knew that going into it. Yes, I mean, I can't, I can't bring up Seven C without you going on. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, 
But that is going to do it. Set the Table episode 15. Uh, if you would like to comment on the show, ask a question to be answered about your favorite role-playing game. If you have any questions about 7C or you want to hear us talk about it a little bit more, um, feel free to tweet either at JMSCOTA5 or at Red Hoodie Games. Um, and uh, uh, YouTube listeners can post a comment there. Uh, and if you'd like to support us with anything more than just a listen, head on over to patreon.com slash SCOTA and uh, give that a scope. But that is going to do it, and we will see you next time. All right. Good day, eh?